This episode of The Ride is brought to you by SmartPak. Nicole. And on this episode, we are chatting with Tristan Baroni, and he is connected to us through another guest that we had on the Ride podcast, Jody Morton. Her story was a lot of fun, and his story is also a very interesting one. Uh, Nicole and I learned a lot about him through this interview. Um, he's a horse trainer in Montana. He does a lot of clinics and those sorts of things. So this was a fun interview for us. Yeah, it's always really great to kind of hear from the different people that are in the industry, whether it's professionals or non-pros, and in this case, like a clinician versus somebody who sticks to mainly the performance horse stuff where they're on the road constantly showing all year. So it was really cool to kind of get a feel for his horse life and and living in Montana, which sounds like so much fun, and, and some of the journey he's had to get into the horse industry was really fascinating to learn and hopefully will inspire somebody who wants to take a similar path yeah a lot of the people that we've actually talked to like they have grown up in the city and the suburbs and those sorts of things and get into horses and Tristan comes from a very unique background and has gotten into horses so I think that this is a very inspiring story an educational story and um, I'm excited for you guys to listen to it on that note let's uh, jump right into this interview so you can learn more about him challenges of modern horse keeping, many horses can benefit from the support of supplements to help them look and feel their best. Every horse is different, so SmartPak has made it easy to create a customized supplement program for your horse. With over 350 supplements available and a team of horse health experts on staff to help you choose between them, SmartPak is the smartest place to get your horse what he needs. Plus, Smart Supplements are guaranteed to work when you order them in SmartPaks. If you don't see the results in two months, SmartPak will give you your money back. Visit SmartPak.com or call 1-800-461-8898 to learn more about how SmartPak can help you take great care of your horse today. Welcome back to the Ride Podcast. This episode, we have Tristan Baroni joining us, and I learned about Tristan through another guest that we had on the podcast previously, Jody Morton. She introduced me to Tristan, and we have just been chatting back and forth ever since, uh, talking about different things for the magazine, and I just wanted to have him on the podcast because I thought that he would be an interesting take, and his horse life seems super cool, and he has a very awesome Instagram so thank you, Tristan, for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, 
Yeah, Jody was kind of our, our link to all of this. She told me about it, and I heard her podcast with you guys, and it, it seemed like a really good time, and she had lots of good things to say about you. Yeah, well, um, so let's start at the very beginning and how you got involved in horses and what your horse life looked like from the very beginning. Okay, um, I, I had some things when I was growing up, my parents were addicts and traveled around. So we we're really poor and not really an environment to have horses. As we all know, horses, like number one thing they like to eat is money. And, uh, when you're in that kind of situation, you don't really have any of that, but I was always drawn to them. I got, I got to sit on some when I was little, a couple times when things were kind of going good. And then it, it went downhill after that. And we were kind of on the lamb, so to say, going from place to place. And I'd always draw horses, always wanted horses, always wanted to be around them. First horse I ever wanted was an all-white horse. I wanted to name Lightning. Um, I never got that one, but I've rode a couple of them that were named that and that color. Um, but really, my my journey started last year at high school. I just started getting on whatever horses anybody would let me get on. I got on some really cool fox hunting horses and did that right off the bat and got to go jump and ride whip with some people and things. And then just really started to get an interest in the working ranch horse and that was kind of my goal I, I didn't know it all the way at that point but I realized that I wanted to pursue horses so I left Mississippi the day after we graduated high school and moved to Montana and I started working for outfitters that you know take people hunting and take people on big fishing trips and I uh, lived out of a wall tent in the Bob Marshall for about four and a half months um, guided elk hunters, packed in, cut all the wood, packed in horses, started colts in the middle of Bob Marshall, which probably wasn't the smartest thing, but it was a great learning experience. Um, packed all along Sloop Creek, worked for some some for the Forest Service, the Park Service, um, took fishing trips up there, packed all through the Bazorkies, um, all over the place. And then I started wanting to work for ranches now that I had some experience. Because when I, when I came, you know, my family didn't do it. I didn't really have any ends. So I just took whatever I could get for work, which was the outfitters. And you get to be horseback every day. And I'm not really an office person. I couldn't do it. So I needed something that wasn't like that. And then as I got going, I started realizing I wanted to try and learn from horses, especially on the ranches, because I couldn't figure out why I had these horses that I'd be using for a month out in the most beautiful place ever doing a pretty fun job for a horse, you know, moving cows and taking care of stuff and seeing new country. And they still didn't really want to be with me. <laughs> like I go to catch one in the morning that I've been riding for a month and he'd give me the finger every day and be like, eh, no, thanks. Put his tail in there. <laughs> We're going to run around for a while. And to me, you know, I started to realize that that was them saying that I wasn't going about things right. You know, that I wasn't really approaching them in a way that they'd like to be approached. And I just didn't understand. And that's really what, what started sending me down that direction. And um, everything changed because I got a couple trailer loads of horses to start. And I kind of made a vow to myself that I wasn't going to do very much physically. I was, I, I was going to get on and I would ride, but I wasn't going to pull on them. I wasn't going to try and control them. I, I wasn't going to try and make them anything, do anything. I was going to try and get them to do stuff. And um, I did that for about a year where I probably did way too little. And, you know, I, I definitely, the things I could get done decreased a little bit. But by about the end of that year, they started to increase tenfold pretty dramatically because I finally started doing, you know, being quiet enough 
and not doing so much physically that the horses could express themselves and show me what they needed help with. And you and I were talking about this on the phone the other day, but it's so easy because of the life we live and kind of how we're raised through society and we're really not a sensory animal anymore. We're, we're more of like um, a frontal lobe animal where we do lots of overthinking of things where a horse has run off their cerebellum and their, their cortex, they're real sensory oriented and they still worry about dying and things. So once I really started easing off and, and just listening before I tried to like put my thing onto the horses, oh, they started telling me what I had to work on. And then it's just snowballed downhill since then. It's really interesting how, you know, when you kind of step back and actually look at the animal that you're around and you, you start to like understand them a little more rather than just like get on and be like, okay, I have, you have a job to do. You start to like connect with them and you know, understand them. They're just like people where we all have our personalities and we all want different things and we all want to be treated, you know, a certain way. And, and horses are no different. Um, how did, did you have any guidance as you kind of went into this journey or was it kind of a, you know, just learn as you go kind of thing? Um, a lot of it, you know, I probably, it'd be hard to count. I, I've kept track of a lot of them in a book, but in the beginning I wasn't. I probably started 140 horses before I ever met anybody that trained horses or that I, I wanted to learn anything from. And then I started meeting some of those people and I realized that they weren't exactly what they portrayed to their clients or kind of just society because I went and went to go work for some some folks and it was they were saying a lot of the right things but when other folks weren't around they weren't doing the things they were saying they were kind of doing a complete opposite so from a pretty early point after I tried to seek out some people I just kind of took it upon myself like well all right, these fellers are telling me one thing and they're doing another. And this feller's telling me one thing and doing another. And this lady's telling me one thing and she's doing a whole nother. So why don't I just try and figure out how to learn from a horse? Because uh, can't a horse like horse better than a human? Um, so I, that's really what I started to look at was how can I communicate with these guys or understand what they're trying to tell me so they can teach me? Because they'll do that, you know, but so many things everybody tries to sell you a system or a specific way to do things and people start losing the ability to look because we're so goal oriented as humans like we want what we can do how we can accomplish it especially people who work in like the business sector and offices everything is scheduled out everything's listed out this is what you have to get done and if you start doing that with a horse you miss everything because you start focusing on what you find important, what, what you would like to accomplish, and you start talking over him. And then pretty quick, he realizes that that's what you're going to do and that you're really not that, you know, dependable. So you might get by. He might do it in spite of you, but he'll never be turned loose or completely relaxed or really trying to help you. You know, at, at the best of times, he might be working against you and still getting it done. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that connection is just, so important between horse and rider. I mean, I've experienced it myself. You know, sometimes you just ride horses that the connection's not there, but sometimes you just got to work through it and ride through it. But when there's a solid connection and the horse understands that you are there for them and to help them in the long run and that you are aware of their surroundings for them, 
it just seems like that process just goes so much easier. So kind of with that, I know you said you started horses and you started out, you know, working for the outfitters and those sort of things. So where are you now and are you starting what types of horses? Now I'm in um, Columbia Falls, Montana. We're renting an older Elk Park arena. We've got the the lease on it. It allows us to keep all our horses there and travel out. And then I do lots of lessons and clinics and around town being in town now because I was in Helmville about an hour and a half away from the grocery store for almost eight years. You know, there'd be three weeks where I wouldn't see nobody but horses, which I don't particularly mind. I'm that kind of person. But um, now it's nice just because, you know, business and going to teach people and help people get to see lots of different horses. Folks don't have to travel as far, you know, used to, I would travel to everybody else. But um, yeah, we're, right now we're working out of Columbia Falls. We got some clinics in Texas, one in two in Texas, one in Colorado, um, one coming up in Washington, one in the Little Belts into May, and then we're trying. We're putting together a cow working clinic here for um, Big Fork, Montana, here in the next month or so. How? So you said you're you're starting to do some clinics. How did you kind of evolve into the the clinic type of thing? Was it just that you just wanted to share the information that you've learned through the way? And um, have you kind of adjusted your original program to include more clinic work, or has that always been kind of the focus? I I always wanted to teach people because you got to remember there was a time when I was going out and looking for help from folks. And it seemed like a lot of folks just wanted money. They didn't sincerely want to help, and they were kind of counterfeit. And you got to realize someone from my background that's been, you know, beat on and seen people hurt pretty bad and dead and things like that. You look at life with a different perspective. I I look at it more with a, is this person going to bring good in my life or is this person, you know, are they going to bring, you know, more bad in their life? Are they kind of a risky person to be around? Are they, you know, how how do they read? How how do they handle things when they start going poorly? Do they start losing their temper? Those aren't folks... I like to have around because I, I seen what that leads to and those personality traits speak pretty loud. It's, pre, it's pretty hard for people to cover them up around horses. That's, and that's why I was so drawn to horses is because you can tell your story all you want, but when you've got a horse, you can't fake it because they don't care about the same things we do. They care about their well being in this very moment, right? Whenever you're with them, right? Then they're not thinking about yesterday and they're not thinking about tomorrow. They're, they're right in the moment. So that, I started to see that and I started to watch people teach. And I was like, well, these folks have been going to clinics for 20 years with this particular three or four people and they still can't turn their horse around. They still can't get him to stand still when they go to get on him. They still can't get him to stop without pulling his mouth apart. Is it the people going to the clinics or is it the teacher? I think if you've been teaching the same person for 20 years, I would say the teacher probably should change some of their systems to fit the person, you know, like they say that they're doing for the horse. Like if you say you're going to set things up to, to fit the horse, I think you should do that with people too, because you believe it works. You know, other, otherwise I don't know that you should really say that. So I started to see that and I'm a slow learner. Like I went to college and all that and it was tough. I missed about five years of school growing up because you know, when your parents are addicts and they're beating on you and you're different colors and stuff, you can't really go to school. 
because everybody asks questions and you're always traveling and things like that. So it, it's, it's a little different. So I was hungry to learn. And then I kind of started figuring out how I learned almost my last year of college. I kind of figured out how I learned best, what worked for me. Cause I'm not a, I'm not a memorize and regurgitate person. I'm really, really bad at that. I've been hitting the head a bunch of times and um, my recall, it just isn't, it's not as good as a lot of people's. But if I can get a comprehensive understanding, I can articulate it very, very well because I understand how it works in my brain. But I, I got to find that way for me. And that's what got me sparked up for teaching was people started asking me for help while I was working because they thought my horses looked nice. So they asked me to help them with theirs because I was riding all over the place and riding a lot of horses. And then I started teaching people and I started remembering because I've watched some people get taught before too. And then I was like, well, this, there's a system here, but it hasn't really seemed like it's going to work. So I'm just going to interpret what the horse is trying to tell the person and try and explain that to the person in a way that they can see, maybe a way that they can understand. Maybe, you know, if they do something for a living, I might kind of try and read about it or think about it and, and see what things are important to that and see if I can't tie it into the horse and what he's trying to tell them. You know, like, um, for instance, at, right now, everybody knows what to do. It's all over the Internet. It's in every magazine, every maneuver you want. You can watch any show you want to see all the maneuvers, all of those things. But the how people apply it is what everybody struggles with. There's an abundance of information. But what makes two people different is how one person goes about it. It's not that they're necessarily doing something different, but the way that they're doing it, you know, either works better or worse with the horse. And for me, that's what made me love teaching because I could ride horses without riding. Because if I could get a person who actually wanted to learn, and was able to listen, you know, if we didn't have to spend the whole time working on their fear and anxiety and being honest with themselves, we can go right to working together and I can talk them into getting their horse balanced. If they'll just relax and listen to me, I can help them shape those body parts up that they're not practiced up enough to feel. And then they can feel what perfect feels like, even if it's only for a couple steps, whether it's in a turn or stop or their backup or just walking forward or running hard. And then they start hunting that and then you see them smile, you know, and they start to feel a little bit better because they had some success. And then it spitballs, you know, you get to know each other better. You get to understand them a little bit more. You get to know their horse and you can start cooking a recipe for it. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to adapt and figure out the different learning styles. Because, I mean, as horse people, we know that you have to be an adaptable rider to be able to fit a different horse, you know. Horses aren't going to fit into one single training program. You know, the great trainers are able to ride different ones and fit those horses. And the same goes for those teaching people because not everybody learns the same. You know, Nicole, I know for a fact that Nicole thinks about riding differently than I think about. So when somebody goes to teach us something, they might have to word it a little differently. So that way she understands or so I understand. So having somebody who's doing clinics and teaching people who can say it one way and then the person's like, no, I don't quite understand. And then you go in and you're like, actually, you know, I thought about it and maybe if I compare it to this, it might be something that you understand. So I think that that's a really huge thing for you to do as a clinician. Yeah, I, I think it's important. I, I think it makes people feel cared about 
a, a lot of times when you see people that are will only teach it one way, oftentimes, not every time, but darn near every time, it's their ego in their way. They're, they're worried that someone may know more, or someone may think they're foolish, or, you, you know, they're just not able of interpreting what I've got, where I look at it from a different perspective of, if somebody's not getting it, I'm not doing a good enough job. I need to figure out how to get in there and, you know, set it up for them so it works. And I, I enjoy that challenge because I do the same thing with horses. You know, I, I get along with all of them. I might, you know, it might take a little work in the beginning, but I haven't met any that I wasn't able to get along with. And to have other people be able to do that is what's important to me. Because if I can just do that, it's not really helpful to society. Like, I got to get it to where other people can see these things and kind of change these things. And we've had good luck with it. And it's, you know, that's really my dream and goal is just to help more people that want help to be able to not argue with their horse and, and get to learning from them. Like, yeah, we make a living doing clinics and things like that. But I tell everybody at the clinics that the whole point is getting to where you can be self-sustainable because your clinician is only going to be there a time or two a year. You might have someone that you can do lessons with if you're lucky, but if you got to call me every day or got to go to a clinic every week to get better, I think we're teaching you the wrong way. We're not really teaching you how to sustain yourself. Like it, it is difficult and it's a study that you get better at every day and you learn stuff about every day, but it doesn't mean that you can't be self-sufficient. And so many people have made it to where you like, you need this and you need this and you need that. And I'm a big, you know, by golly, try and do what you think's right and learn and try and learn from yourself and, and, and get to know yourself a little bit and, and see what you got there. And that's just been my biggest thing with the horses is they were a saving grace to me. So I like helping other people with them so the horses don't have to struggle as bad. You know, I felt so safe with horses because they're honest. I've never met a horse that lies. I met some horses that had some, some real nasty things going because people were way too rude to them and they didn't have the disposition to just take it they decided that they they would be better off at fighting back and those people showed some things and made that easy but i've never met a horse that hasn't had bad experience that wasn't just a trust and easy to get along with a guy like i started a five-year-old yesterday put the first ride on him rode him around with a flag rode him around with the rope all gates started teaching him to turn around back and all that stuff and the sucker was shaking and yawning the whole time i was riding him on his first ride that's the kind of thing i'm looking for that's understanding in a horse you know if i if i see somebody working a horse and they're getting a lot done but the horse's mouth is tight everything they're doing they're pulling his mouth open everything they're doing the horse is on the muscle he's braced he's developing the wrong musculature that's a horse who's also mentally braced. It's not necessarily a physical thing. And like, those are the kind of people that I'm interested in talking to because they do it, they do it for a living. And I, sometimes they don't even realize they could do it even better if the horse wanted to do it. Like they, you don't have to make them do it. If you show them the right way, they'll want to do it and they'll kind of poke their little chest out and be happy about it and feel like they're accomplishing something. But you see so many people riding horses around like they're incapable or their horse does something silly. And the first thing is, oh, darn horse. Oh, he just, you know, he just doesn't know. He can't do that. And it's like, man, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Like I've never met, besides a dog, I've never met anything that's that trusting in humans that can come from just the worst place 
and as long as you treat them right and, and show them that it's not that way, it can change in seconds. People are way tougher than that. People, it, it takes long, long time to heal. Horses, if, if the way they can feel of you, you know, and your, your presence and your heart rate and all these things, they, you, you can't fake that perception. So if you show them that you're paying attention to what's bothering them, the things that they're trying to ask for help with, the worst horse can change in seconds, minutes. And um, to me, that just with the way I'm wired, that's something that I'll spend my life working on. Because if you're willing to try, horse or human, I'm willing to help you. That's really my only prerequisite is that you're willing to try to get better. That I mean, and if you can do that, I'll take the time it takes to get it better. Well, I think you and I have talked about this before, but the fact that awareness is really important around horses. And I think, you know, as humans, sometimes we don't give horses the awareness that they need since they're herd animals. And they, you know, if one sees something and they kind of rely off of us to do those sorts of things. So if we show that we're aware and, you know, considerate of them, then we're going to make it a lot farther. But I know that Sometimes we just get in our heads as riders, whether we're just a leisurely rider or a competitor, you know, any sorts of those things. But we get distracted by what was going on at work today or what was, you know, being texted to us earlier. Or, oh, I got a notification on my phone from Instagram or I'm listening to music while I'm riding, you know, something like that. They're very simple things that are just so active in our daily lives, but we just really don't think about how they affect our horses and our overall horsemanship. And your personal health, let alone your horsemanship. Being able to be in the moment is a, a skill. I'm, I meet a lot of people from all over, and it seems you, know, you get some people in town that have some disciplines and some different hobbies that they do that that take discipline to achieve, and they seem like they can get in the moment pretty good. But you see it, some people that they've never really pursued anything at a super high level. And they're in town working and having all the stimulus all the time, all the stuff around, all the accessibility. It, it seems like those folks have the hardest time because they never get to live with just themselves. And this is coming from a guy who lived by himself for years out in the middle of nowhere. I, I know this guy. I've lived with him by myself through the good days and the bad days without anybody to help. And that's an that's been an important thing for me to be able to rationalize and deal with things when I'm riding because when you come up sometimes you're riding a horse that scares you and that's going to make your brain spin faster it's going to make you think about all the things you have to worry about oh these people depend on me this folk man I got to pay the bills for this and this person depends on me I can't get and then you're already in a wreck because you you weren't present you were gone for too long or like the cell phone thing you know you're you're thinking about what somebody said or whatever you got going in your life that's kind of hectic the horse feels that, but he don't know what the heck it is. He he feels it as anxiety and stimulus. And as we all know that ride horses, there's their brain's like a pie chart, and it's got so much space. And some folks, at the best of times, don't even have all of the space freed up. They've always got, you know, either the herd against them or the food against them, or maybe the horse is just a little afraid of them being around them against them. So if, if you're not aware, it, it's it's hard to get to where you can use that whole horse and it's an everyday practice 
you know, I, I work on it every day and I know lots of other people work on it every day. And it's, I don't know that it's something that you ever master, but it's something that gets easier the more you do it. I think you're always working at it. I think you bring up a really valid point. Um, we've talked a lot about, you know, horse training on, on this podcast in general, and we've talked a little bit about the mental aspect of it, but um, when you kind of talk about communicating with the horse and, you know, kind of, you know, you can trust them and, and you learn to help them trust you and, and all of this that I feel like we don't really touch on a lot. Um, and I, we should touch more on because I think it is really important that you have this, this connection, this communication, this trust between the two of you, um, in the saddle, on the ground, whatever, uh, how do you kind of bring this into your clinics or, or when you're just working with somebody who, who struggles with that? What is, you know, what is, how do you get that point across to, to tell them the importance of it? It's not just about teaching your horse how to turn around. You also have to learn how to connect with them and communicate with them and, and read what their body language is saying and, and everything else that comes with it. A hundred percent. Um, the biggest thing for me, everybody always wants me to answer these questions and I'm a pretty weird guy. Um, so I go about it different, but it, I go about it in the way that horses have taught me that works. So the biggest thing I do is I watch. When I meet people and I have a clinic, I'll listen and hear what they have to say and what they want to tell me. And usually it's like the same 12 things. Sometimes you get something different, but usually it's like the same 12 things. And I listen and I'm polite and try and understand and let those folks get comfortable. But then I'll just ask them to ride their horse or show me what they're working on. Show me what they're doing good or what they want help with. Show, show me how you're going about it, what you got going. Because if I go to talking before I ever see the interaction, before I ever see how the horse relates to the human and the human relates to the horse, I'm going to stick my foot in my mouth. Because I, I, I don't have one to stand on. I, I don't even know what's there. And I see so many people do that with horses that they're going to help people where they just go and attack the dang horse before they ever even let him express himself and show you what he's got going. And for me, I would be crippled if I did that. I, I couldn't ride the horses that I ride. And, and some of the people would probably hit me too. Um, so I really just slow down and watch. And then I try and see what the person's looking for, what they feel like they're having some success with. And I try and see the things that the horse is asking for help with. And I'll, I'll let them go until they either struggle or, you know, some people just don't know. And they'll do something and feel pretty proud of themselves when it was really quite awful. And that person, you almost got to approach different so that you don't offend them when you <laughs> explain it to them. But I, I'll start just talking to them from the horse. Say, say they're doing hindquarters, frontquarters. That's a maneuver that's everywhere. You know, you, you have the horse engage his hindquarters and, you know, the inside foot is reaching up and under further. The front feet are tracking forward in a smaller circle, but balanced. And the horse is really composed. And ideally, he should be soft both laterally and longitudinally with the body picked up and a relaxed expression, right? So if those things aren't there, which there's not a whole lot of people that I see where all those things are there because it takes a lot of work to do that. And it takes a lot of awareness. I'll start telling them, well, you see where your horse is pulling on you there? Or in hindquarters, a huge one, when horses don't respect a person's leg and they've been getting pulled on, they'll have lateral flexion, say to the right, have their right leg on to move the hindquarters. And the first foot that moves when they ask the horse to move will be the right front leg. 
and it'll move in towards the rider's leg. The shoulder will drop and the hindquarters will get all jacked up. The horse will get ridged in the neck and then the pull and tug of war starts. And so what I'll explain to those people is, hey, so just next time, slow down, just wait. Okay, put the dang ring down. Let me finish what I'm saying. You don't gotta do it again, just wait. Because usually that's what they do. You start talking and they start trying to do it immediately. And it's like, let me close the loop for you because I know a lot of people want to know what could happen, what may happen, and what they got to quit for. So I'll try and explain it to them before they find themselves in that situation. Because what happens, and Jody is a good example, I'll be helping her with something, and she'll want to ask me a question in the middle while I'm talking her through something. And she can't afford to do it because she'll be late. She'll miss the opportunity to get it better. So I've worked on that with her a lot of just wait, kind of have your mindset and look for it. But back to the hindquarters, I'll have that person slow down, reach down the rein softer, because the first thing I saw was when they reached down the rein, the first thing the horse's head did was go left and look left, and they were reaching down the right rein. Well, why does the horse do that? Well, a horse does that because he's preparing to get pulled on. Somewhere in his life, whether it's this person or the next, someone went down the reins too fast with too much force and it scared him. So as soon as you pick up the right rein, he thinks left because he's thinking of escaping from excess stimulus. So what I'll have those people do is easy down, as easy as they're capable of, down that rein and just slowly take the slack out until there's the slightest change. The horse could even do the wrong thing, but once he does that, you don't pull anymore, you wait. The rest of it you'll do with your leg. Because if the horse tries to go left or he tries to go right or sticks his little nose out or does whatever he does, he's saying that's an effective dose of pressure to stimulate change. If you keep going, you're going to get closer to scaring him because he's already trying. He might not be trying the right thing. That don't matter. This is a horse that thought he couldn't try. So now when he does try something, we got to reward him for it. And then that person might put their leg on and then, oh, by golly, because the horse understands he moves over perfect. They let go. He works his mouth and kind of shakes and looks at all of us like, wow, why haven't I been doing that the other 732 times? You know, and then the rider can see that because they're like, oh, well, he's never done, he's never put his nose down like that. You know, well, yeah, he's never really felt like you were listening to him. So he had a hard time relaxing around you. And it can be something that small that then the person sees it and understands it and is like, oh, okay, I could get behind this. And then they start being curious and then I'll kind of change it from there. But it, it's a hard thing because it, it truly depends on the interaction. That's that's where I go from. And with that, I'm not for everybody because I, I'm there to help the horses and I'm there for people who genuinely want to get better and be better people so that they can ride nicer horses. And not everybody wants to do that. And, and that's okay too. But for those people that are interested, I have a blast with it. And the people that are doing it have a lot of fun in it. it has a lot of carry over to other things in your life too. Um, I just feel like it's a it's a it's a good way to live trying to help people and, and get help from others when you need it and being open to it to, to learn from different people and and realize that you know what we thought we had going we might not and that's okay that's that's part of being a human you know you get a chance to get better none of us start off knowing anything 
Well, I feel like your background in general and just, you know, how you grew up and all of those sorts of things really plays into your teaching methods, you know, both with horses and humans, because you have a different understanding and a different way of looking at life that not a lot of horse people maybe do understand, because I know a lot of horse people, myself included, it's, you know, I've been privileged to grow up around horses my entire life and have access to the people who are willing to help me and, you know, go that route in life. So I've kind of always had that opportunity, but growing up and not having those opportunities gives you a different outlook that give, makes you a little bit better of a teacher. Yeah, I, I, um, I definitely think it, it helped put me in the right direction. You know, I, I think it's like anything in life. I, I could have been a victim myself and decided to, you know, try and, use the system that was in place and things like that to get through that. Or I could have been like, well, uh, I don't want to be any of this. I see that I'm capable of this and other people are capable of this. Maybe I should kind of see the things, the turns that those folks took to go down that way and avoid that. And I, I use the same thing in learning from other clinicians was I took the information that I like, like, uh, for instance, two of my favorite people to watch are Brian Newbert, and Joe Walters. Uh, I really like watching Wade Black too. He, he does a great job teaching and he can do it. Um, but people like that, I'm drawn to them because if you ask them a hard question, they'll tell you if they don't know. If they say something incorrect or say something that turns out not to be true, they'll be the first people to tell you that. And those are the things that are important to me because I, I try and do that and I remember a time when that was really hard to do to say that i was wrong or i didn't know something and that's just a sign of insecurity if you're not able to do that you're not really super comfortable with yourself and horses don't like that if you can't admit that you screwed up they get irritated and they'll start getting really really critical of you because you don't have any forgiveness for them and you're overly critical of them and i tell people that probably two or three times a week like hey if you're going to be that critical of your horse and not that critical of yourself, just be ready for the, you know, the repercussions that you're entering up for. Because if you keep looking at him through a magnifying glass and not yourself, you're going to be looking at him from the ground for long because he's not going to have the forgiveness for you. If you're coming after him, like you got everything going on and you're the bomb when you're really not, that's going to drive a horse nuts faster than anything you've ever seen. So throughout this whole process, um, was there a particular horse or something that just really made you reevaluate everything? Is there one that stands out that, you know, just kind of change your perspective of, of how you do things? Oh, it was a succession of them. It was all kind of that summer when I started letting go. I had a, uh, a horse on this ranch that was nine years old um, named Uno that folks had tried to start and got bucked off of and got hurt on and things like that. And that horse was nine and he hadn't really ever been rode successfully. It, people got on him, but it never ended well. And I'm kind of a softy and I looked at him and he's a great big strong horse and I was on a ranch and I was like, he'd make a great horse to use. And that horse taught me a lot um, because he'd been attacked by people so much and I had to go about things different, but it, it really wasn't any one horse. It was probably that summer when I had two or three trailer loads of horses to start. 
the three trailer loads of horses that I had were all Hancock horses from the Leachman dispersal sale. And I started all those and, and sold them and paid for a lot of my college. And um, everybody says those horses are really tough. And I would say, yes, they're really tough. That's the kind of horse you want to take if you're going into a sketchy situation. If you can stay with him, you're going to get out of it because he's going to get out of it. But with that kind of horse, they don't tolerate getting banged on. They don't tolerate getting fought with. But what they do tolerate is learning how to work and learning how to help you. And those horses banged on me, and I banged on them a little, and they banged on me some more. And then I finally figured out that summer that the banging part was re wasn't really that helpful because they were tougher than I was. And I can hang in there pretty good. But when, when you got, you know, 14, 15 horses to ride a day, um, physicality is not the way to go about it because there won't be none of you left. So those horses really taught me because they didn't put up with my crap. You know, and I'm, I'm perfect by no means. And then I was just trying to learn and didn't know what the heck to do. I was just figuring out, you know, so I did so many things wrong, but those horses helped me through it. And they showed me and they didn't tolerate the dumb things that I was doing that I needed to not be doing. And they told me about it very loudly. They weren't like an easy horse that anybody could start. That's just real quiet. That would put up with anything. And if you, you know, banged on him hard enough, he'd give up. There's lots of horses like that. Lots of people ride them. And you should never do that, but it's, it happens and it's easy to do when you're learning, you know, and anybody who's rode enough horses and hasn't done that, either they had a phenomenal mentor and were just raised great and knew better from a young age or they're fibbing to you because it, it happens in the journey to learning. And that's kind of my thing is helping people not make the same mistakes that I made, try and give them a little bit of my experience and get them even better than I am. And that's what those horses did was they showed me what I needed to pay attention to. And I started listening to it and it really got better. So I would say it wasn't any one horse. It was a couple trailer loads of horses. Well, I'd say that, you know, horses are really great teachers and going into horses, not really having a whole lot of experience. It's kind of a nice thing because they're pretty forgiving and they're great teachers, you know, so long as you get the right ones, you get some of them that aren't so forgiving, but Having those horses, they make pretty awesome teachers, even the really tough ones. Oh, yeah. I, and I would, um, I was doing some online lessons with a gal that I've been doing online lessons with for almost two years. And she's really into horsemanship, and now she's helping other people with horses. And she's got one that's been through, I can't remember how many trainers she said, but like nine different trainers. Folks got hurt. And great, big, pretty 16 to just fancy moving horse be fun horse to ride but um he's been getting fought with and he's dangerous considered dangerous you know at this point in time by the people who own him and the people who worked him and i was just talking to her the other day and helping her with some of the things that uh, she was working on but wasn't seeing what the horse was telling her we got him shaped up and she had some success and then we're going to do another one next week but what i told her was stick with that horse be be safe you know know your limits and don't be afraid to take a break and sit down and and you don't have to get on him right away he'll tell you when it's time to do it you know listen to yourself and don't go biting off more than you can chew because he'll darn sure do it because he's had lots of practice with people but if you can take your time and get that sucker to want to be around you and want you to get on him 
because you can get a horse even on the first it, it don't take a long time if you pay attention to what's important to him you can get a horse that ain't never been rode before to get to where he wants you to get on him because being around you is so much fun he just wants to go do stuff and see stuff and I, that's what i really talk about with her and why she's kept that horse and a couple other tough ones is those tough horses instead of saying hey tristan hey tristan that ain't a great idea uh tristan uh, i really don't think you should do that oh geez tristan you went ahead and did it you know and they're kind of okay they'll make it the other horse would be like uh hey tristan and then you know he'll start cursing at me the next sentence he he won't tell me hey tristan twice there might be feet coming or there might be whatever coming after you you don't know he might be bouncing off around the crowd and you're just trying to get out of the way so those horses that you know have been in those tough situations or babies that are just naturally far more sensitive and a little bit more flighty they have the most to teach to people who really want to pursue this journey because they they won't tolerate your errors they'll, they'll tell you about them and sometimes people need a horse that's a little more assertive with them so that they actually get the point because there's so many horses out there today that are so nice bred that anybody's grandmother could start them that ain't never even rode a horse before they're they're just so sweet and easy going and they've been bred so long for disposition and it works you know it's there's a there's a reason people pay a lot of money for these well-bred horses is because a lot of the reigning horses if if you've ever got to be around any of the real fancy bred ones they come out of the box wanting to spin stop and do lead changes naturally you don't really even have to teach it you just got to ride them and not mess it up you know they're really predisposed to that or a really good cow horse the biggest thing on a really good cow horse is getting him not to overwork a cow and get too far forward. You don't ever have to teach him how to work a cow. He comes out of the womb wanting to eat beef. That's just how they are. You know, so it, it, it's interesting to see how people have changed and trainers have changed too, where some folks only ride certain kind of horses. And I think that's, that's great. Everybody's entitled to what they want to do. But for me, being able to work with all different disciplines and all different horses, it really helps me gain more understanding and to what I would like because I'm big on knowledge and understanding you know knowledge you can regurgitate knowledge it's information that's out there understanding is when you can articulate someone to a child something to a child and teach them how to do it effectively to me that's understanding that's a comprehensive understanding you know? yeah there's a big difference between the two and sometimes it's a hard one to get some people to understand is the fact that they're not quite understanding what they're doing you know with the, a certain maneuver or those different sorts of things sometimes it's hard especially when it comes down to feel and you have to feel things that's a hard thing to get people to understand oh feels feels super hard because you can demonstrate you can teach people and i can directly show people what i feel like to horses but you can't give it to nobody and you can't buy it you can go to you can spend as much money as you want you can't buy it <laughs> it's something you got to work on within yourself and you got to slow your crazy brain down to where it's quiet and you can feel and that sucker's going it, it's using up too much of your power you know you can't you can't feel if it's all going to your brain that that we've got like one of the most complex brains it uses a lot of energy and when you start worrying and thinking about stuff your motor skills and your timing and your sensory organs all get you know they're, they're not as sharp as they could be you're not in a flow state 
I don't know if you guys have ever read anything about flow states and things like that, but it's when alpha waves are present in the brain and you're in the moment. You're just feeling and reacting. And it's like, I, I ride horses so much and practice it so much that I can be in front of 2,000 people and not even know they're there if a horse is there because I'll be so focused on what I'm doing that I can't see anybody. I'll be talking to them and things like that, but everything in the back is blurry and just the horse is clear, you know, and, um, yeah, that, that's a neat place. And it's neat to see people get there because it makes you feel good emotionally and physically. Cause it just like, you get calm for a little bit. You can just be in the moment. I think that would help a lot of people be a lot more healthy if they had something, whether it was horses or the guitar or anything where you can just shut the brain off for a little while and get a little freedom from your own mind. I think it's a pretty important thing. Absolutely. So for people who want to learn a little bit more about you and your methods and the sort of things that you are putting out into the world, where can they find you on social media and your website? So our website is notoriourshorsemanship.com. Um, it talks about the clinics and training and the methods and the, some of the things I'm interested to. Like our, our first deal is a landing page describing what I do and if it might even be applicable to you. Because like I told you guys, it's, it's not for everyone. Um, and then Instagram, Notorious underscore Horsemanship. Um, we got some things on Facebook. Um, YouTube is Notorious Horsemanship. We got a couple videos up. We're starting to get more videos up consistently. I, I used to do them under Meyer Company Ranch when I was running that place. And um, we've since started to make some here and are, are going to be making some more. Um, anybody that's around, we'll have Colt starting competition in Corvallis in June 5th and 6th. And then in the next weekend, we'll be in Virginia for a horse expo and Colt starting competition. So any people around there that want to come see something fun, see some horses get started and watch some different styles of horsemanship, that'd be a cool thing to come and watch. Yeah, sounds so interesting. So thank you so much again for joining us, Tristan. Yeah, thank you guys for having me and let me run my mouth for an hour. It's been great. Once again, we'd like to thank SmartPak for sponsoring this episode of The Ride. Thank you guys for tuning into The Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com. If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at aimmedia.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. How many stars, Michaela? Five stars, please.